Well, we're continuing our Galatians series. Um, the week one started with Pastor Todd sharing on Galatians chapter one, uh, what the real gospel is all about. And then the following week, Pastor Tony, uh, he preached on the importance of God's grace. And today we're going to go over Galatians chapter three, where we're going to talk about the importance of faith. And so um, if you have your Bible with you, the hard copy or phone, um, turn to Galatians chapter 3. We'll be going over the first 14 verses. Um, You can join us through the screen if you like. But today's main message that was written by Paul is just how important it is as people of God, as men and women of God, how important it is our faith in Jesus Christ. And so I pray, I pray and hope that uh, we will, you and I, we will come across the importance of it because without faith in Jesus, the promises that the God has established would not be, um, would not take place without our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, let's start right away. Galatians 3, we're going to read the first six verses first, and this is the word of God. It says this, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Verse 4, have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. To give a little context as a reminder, or maybe for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this is Paul talking or writing a letter to Galatians saying, Remember, remember the gospel. He's pleading with the Galatians because the Galatians are Gentiles. They're not Jews. So they grew up without really hearing the gospel, the word of God, even the Torah. And so for the Galatians, when they received the gospel, it was very new for them. And by the power of God, they resonated. However, Paul is writing this letter because he was informed that the Galatians were getting confused. They were getting confused because most likely some of the um, individuals that still oppose the Mosaic law, they believe that, oh, they're saying that, hey, Galatians, look, you need to be circumcised. You got to uphold all the Mosaic laws in order for you to be saved, for you to be righteous. So there has been a very, um, just a lot of confusion that was taking place. And so Paul has been pleading since um, chapter 1 to the Galatians, remember the real gospel. Remember that it's the grace of God that saves you. And today is the faith in Jesus Christ. And so we have to understand that. And that's why in verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? See, Paul is asking a rhetorical question here, and he's trying to state the issue. Why would you abandon the gift of gift and the power of the Holy Spirit? And then verses 5, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by 
you're believing what you heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. If you have your hard copy Bible with you, or you have your phone app, or you have your notes, I want to encourage you guys to underline, like highlight, circle, star the word believed in verse 6, because this is very important. Now, verse 7, Paul continues, understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jews, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, verse 7 is saying what? Paul is saying those who have faith are children of Abraham. And the NIV Commentary Bible says this, Abraham is the forefather of God's people. He and they alike are the recipients of God's promises. But Abraham's, but Abraham's true seed is made up not of those who merely physically descended from him, but of those Jews and Gentiles alike who live by faith as he did. Let me read that sentence one more time. But Abram's true seed is made up not of those merely physically descendants from him, but of those Jews and Gentiles alike who live by faith as he did. God declares him righteous. In this way, Abraham becomes the father of many nations as promised. Verse 8 and 9, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, Paul's reference to Abraham, it applies in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this. This is God speaking to Abram. This is before he becoming Abraham. So go from, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Listen very carefully. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. When Abraham received this, brothers and sisters, we have to be very, we have to apply this. He didn't, he didn't have the Bible. There was no Old Testament. There was no New Testament for him. There was no Torah. There's nothing. He had no Google, Nothing. So imagine that with me. He had nothing. But he received the commands from God. And that's why we have to go back and, you know, verse 1. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. See, God already knows what's, what's important and valuable in Abram's life. The country your people, the father's household. Most likely, Abraham already, he already made up his mind, okay, you know what, I'm good here. I'm going to bury my bones and ashes. I'm good. My family's here. I'm well situated here. 
but the Lord has called them to do something crazy. And if he relied on his five senses, and that was the the game-changing moment for him, would he have responded in faith? Absolutely not. That's why in that moment, for Abraham, for him to respond in faith, when that command was given to him, when this command was given to him, was a game changer. And that's why he is credited to him as a, as a man of faith. Now, this promise was given in Genesis 12, and then a few chapters later in, in, in 15, Genesis 15, this is when this promise becomes the actual Abrahamic covenant. What that means is that in chapter 15, just to briefly summarize and paraphrase here, that God shows up in his presence and his glory, and he is like, Abraham, we're going to sign this covenant right here. This is it. Now, in the biblical context, there are two different covenants, two types of covenants. One is conditional, and one is unconditional. Conditional covenant is that the involving parties can adjust and be flexible and all that stuff, and then the outcome of the covenant can be affected accordingly. The uncovenant, um, unconditional covenant is when one or all the invo- involving parties, okay, one or all the involving parties needs to uphold that covenant to the end. So in Genesis 15, when God revealed his glory to Abraham and he's about to make this covenant, the scripture says how the only, they set up everything and back then in order for that covenant to be going to go through, they didn't have no PDF to sign it. What they did was they would establish it and the, the involving parties would have to walk through the, the covenant, if that makes sense. They had a bunch of animals, you know, carcasses ready, all stuff, and then the involving parties has to walk through it. But in the scripture in Genesis 15, it says how only the presence of God went through that covenant moment. Abraham didn't go through. Only the presence of God, the, the glory of God went through it. So what, that, what does that mean? That means... This Abrahamic covenant, this covenant that the Paul is talking about, is solely based on God for him to uphold and fulfill and keep it alive. And we believe that God is a promise keeper, amen? Amen? Amen. All right, that's better. So going back to Galatians 3, 10 to 14. Verse 10, for all who rely on, on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the books of the law. See, Paul is now pleading with the Galatians, hey, the Mosaic laws, you're not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. No one can. And so he's pleading. He's going to plead with the Galatians saying, man, rethink about your situation. Verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Paul is quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The prophet Habakkuk gave this prophecy saying, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. 
Galatians 3.12, it says, The law is not based on faith. On the co- contrary, it says, The person who does, who does these things will live by them. The NIV commentary says this, The righteousness based on law requires observance of its commands, a requirement that sinners cannot meet. The righteousness based on the Mosaic law requires observance, us doing it perfectly, of its commands, 600 plus laws, a requirement that sinners cannot meet, which is all of us. It is very different from the principle that, the, that righteousness is credit to those whose deeds are not righteous, but who respond to the gospel with faith. So what is this commentary saying right here? Looking back chapter 1 and 2, Galatians chapter 1 and 2, the importance of what Christ has done. What happened on that cross? That righteousness only overflows from the cross. What does it mean to respond to the gospel with faith? And this is where I want us to pay attention and focus and prayerfully discern and respond here. It means for a person to know the person of Jesus Christ. It means for a person to know the person of Jesus Christ. If you're writing this down, I want you to somehow circle, highlight the word no. Man, I don't know, 10 underlines, whatever you have to do, star, whatever you have to do. Know the person of Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus as a person of God. Knowing Jesus with intimacy. You know, to our Ignite students that are, some of you guys in this room, I've been sharing with you guys in the past couple months the importance of what? Knowing Jesus in person. Amen? That's right. Yes? Yes. That knowing Jesus is more than just simply you coming to church on Sundays. More than just your track record of your weekly schedule. More than knowing John 3.16. Or even the the shortest verse, Jesus wept. Knowing all of that, more than that, is to know the person of Jesus Christ. And I really want to emphasize here the person of Jesus Christ here, church. For those of you that are married, that are, excuse me, that, that are married here in this room, you know your spouse, amen? Oh, it's weak. Uh Uh-oh. Yikes. It was weak in the 932. So in faith, come on now. Those of you that are married, come on. You know your spouse. Amen? Amen. Shoot, my wife is here. I'm going to say amen in faith. Come on now. You know your spouse. And I pray, especially the veterans, you know, married couples that are veterans, man, you should know your spouse by now. that you know there the positives and the positives and maybe little negatives here and there. But you know. And how did you end up knowing those qualities? 
You did something on your end, as in you act upon it, you were persistent, you, there was an action on your end, amen? Oh, come on, why are we so weak with this? Amen? amen. Mercy. Pastor Todd has a marriage class coming up, man. Some of you might need to sign up for that one. Shoot. Knowing the person of Jesus Christ, knowing our spouses, for any not married people, young people, Deep down in your heart, you, you guys desire to know your friends and your community, your group with intimacy because you know that surface level is just boring and it gets all this stuff. You desire, you love it when they, love, when they know you and you know that they will delight in you if you know them with intimacy. See, all human beings, we... We know how to know someone. It's a cop-out response when we say, oh, I don't know how to know Jesus. Because in all of your earthly relationships, you know the meaningful relationships, the surface-level relationships, and all the extra relationships. We know. And the question that I want to ask you guys is how much do we actually know Jesus Christ with intimacy? See, in Philippians 3.10, Paul is talking to the Philippians, saying, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then 1 John 2, 3 says this, and this is how we know, this is how practically we can to know Christ. Here we go. This is it. This is the, the answer to all the, in my opinion, our Christian faith. We know that we have come to know him, Jesus. This is John speaking. We know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep Jesus' commands. How do we know Jesus with intimacy? How do we know the person of Jesus, right there. First John 2, 3. If we keep his commands. And the word if is what? It's conditional. Oh, yeah. If. That's conditional, church. The love of Christ is unconditional. That's established. Bam. But the measurement of us knowing that love of Christ, the measurement of us knowing the Holy Spirit, the measurement of us walking with the Lord with faithfully, diligently, with hunger and passion, that all dictates on our end. See, John, God, same author, John, he talks, his, he mentions this. He quotes Jesus in 14 and 15, Gospel of John 14 and 15. When Jesus starts talking about I am, da, 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 fill in the blanks. And Jesus always ends with if you receive it, if you believe it, if you follow, if you abide, if you remain, if, 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 if.
That is something that we have to remember. To know Jesus Christ, it all starts from us. We are, the Lord is ready to pour out his heart. The Lord has been ready to meet you. The Lord has been ready before you and I, we were in our mother's womb. The Lord has been waiting for every single one of us to say, God, I want to follow your way. I want to follow your commands. I'm here to, here I am, Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters, the moment we do that, bam, the Lord will pour out his presence like never before. When you and I, we desire the person of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. And let me say this before, before we go into the next point, the person of Jesus Christ. And, and what I mean by that is the wholeness of it, not just partial, not just all the goody-goody things that we want, that we love and we delight in about Jesus, but the wholeness of Jesus Christ, the wholeness of it. Not just 5%. Wholeness of Jesus Christ. Second point, it means for a person to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. It means for a person responding the gospel in faith, it, looks, it means for a person to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 to verse, uh, verses 9 to 10, it says this, If you declare with your mouth, this is Paul speaking, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. But notice how Paul is saying, look, it comes from your heart. Your heart has to profess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And the last point, it means for a person to deny themselves and pick up the cross and follow him. Ooh. Let's be honest now. Deny yourself. Oh, I know you guys were already cringing. Some of you guys were already cringed. Deny yourself. Deny themselves. Ugh. Especially here in this country, what? Actually, globally, to be honest. Denying ourselves, that's the biggest turnoff. Why? The world is saying what? No. Be yourself. Accept yourself. Why deny yourself? Satan has been sending this message since the beginning of everything, since Garden of Eden. The lies of, of the devil has been <laughs> consistent since Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve, when they messed up, that, that's, that moment, Satan made their lives about themselves. When Satan was, was conversing with Eve, questioning the theology of God, Satan made it about Eve. As Adam just simply stood there. 
See, Satan doesn't need to come at us with the, here I am. Oh, no. Comes at us questioning everything. Remove, try to remove God in the center and then putting ourselves in it. That's why this message that Jesus gave, deny yourself. In order to be a disciple, deny yourself and pick up the cross daily. It's the hardest thing. But we're called to do it daily. And Christ knows it's hard. But that's why the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is the only way for us to fulfill the scripture. The revelation of the cross. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a pole. Paul is talking about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, Genesis 12, might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The blessing, the promise of Abraham, brothers and sisters, is not this external blessings where God will give, you know, God will give Abraham, you know, properties after properties, fortune, like financial. It's not, it's not the external blessings. I mean, it, it was, but it's, that's not the main thing. The main heart of the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, is how God is saying, you're going to be with me for eternity. The everlasting life, the salvation. That is the promise of the Abrahamic covenant. That can only be fulfilled through Jesus Christ, our faith in our Lord and Savior. So what is the heart of today's message? It's all about Jesus. When I say all, I mean all, man, all. Your life, my life, your dream, my dream, your retirement plan, my retirement plan, the next vacation, next investment. I mean all. It's all about Jesus. Next activities. It's all about Jesus. To know Christ. Oh man, I just want to, I would, I could just stay there for all day long. To know Christ. Oh mercy, Lord. To know Christ. See, the other two points, accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior, denying ourselves, picking up the cross daily and following him. See, you know how we can cultivate that? You know how we can even 
get a little bam, starting point, is to know Jesus Christ, what he has done for you, what he has done for us. The cross, the blood of the lamb that was shed on the cross. When you and I, we're the recipients of that. When you and I, we're the recipients. So when Jesus, when he hung on the cross, we have to remember this, church, the wrath of God was poured upon that, upon Jesus. The wrath of God, because God is so holy, the wrath of God was upon Jesus. Come on. When you and I were the recipients of that, Jesus Christ, he took it all. And he died and he conquered the grave. That he is risen. That he's not just resurrected on Easter. He is resurrected king every single darn day. He is not just some idea. He's not just some figure. The living presence of Jesus Christ. That's the God that we worship. See, I'll close with this. Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't want any more fan clubs. He doesn't want no fans. He wants followers. He wants disciples. He wants God-fearing men and women of God. And he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And the good news is what? Jesus, he made a way. He made a way to our beloved students that are in this room. You're not too young. You're not. To our, I see some 20s and 30s and maybe 40s in this room. Oh, the Lord has not forgotten about your generation. Anyone above, the 50s and above, oh, the Lord is not finished with you. He's not. He is not. I truly believe Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, and Habakkuk chapter 3, 4, See, Joel chapter 2, the young will have visions. The old will continue to dream dreams of God. Habakkuk 3 is when prophet Habakkuk remembers the glory of God being done upon his nations, upon his people. And he is prophesying, Lord, do it again in our time. And I really believe those two prophecies are being fulfilled right now. I don't know about you, man, but I need Jesus Christ every day.
And I thank God that he made a way for us simply come to him saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And I pray today, for those of you that are searching, I pray today that it will be a day where you will respond to his ongoing grace in your life, the ongoing love that's been active in your life. And for those of you that's been coming to church and all that stuff, I want to challenge you. Ask the Lord, God, how can I go deeper into your presence? How can I go deeper into your heart? See, Paul, he was so desperate for the Galatians to remember the gospel. And as a fellow servant of Christ, as I stand here in faith, I earnestly, earnestly plead with you, don't wait any longer. I earnestly, earnestly plead with you, respond to God's grace, even today. The Lord has been waiting. And he's so delighted to meet you. And he's going to rock your world like never before. Trust me. Oh, trust me on that. So repent and believe the gospel. Repent of your old ways and believe in the power of the new life that God has in store for you. Receive the sanctification by the Holy Spirit today. Let's pray. Lord, we want to respond to your grace right now. We want to respond to your love. You knew the people that were going to join us today. You knew those that were joining us online. And in faith, we believe, Lord, that in faith, we believe, Jesus, that you are working. Even if our eyes cannot see, even if our feelings or our five senses cannot, cannot identify, Lord, in faith, trusting and believing in the invisible God, Lord, we believe that you are working. So, Lord, We want to experience your great love. We want to encounter you. So help our unbelief and increase our faith. Help our unbelief and increase our faith today, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.